Hi everyone, and welcome to the very first official episode of The Lifelong Romance. I'm Steffi, and in today's instalment, I'm going to explain a little bit more about myself and talk about what made me make this crazy decision to swallow my fears and start a podcast like this. Now today I will be talking about some pretty heavy issues such as eating disorders, depression, self-harm and abusive relationships. So if any of these subjects are likely to trigger you in any way, please switch off now. I promise the rest of the episodes won't be as dark as this, but it does help to explain where I'm coming from with this whole thing. So for those of you who are still there, I hope there's still somebody there. (laughs) Um, Where to begin? I have absolutely no idea. Um, Yeah, uh, please bear with me on this. It's it's really hard when you're sitting here sort of basically talking to yourself and you think, is anybody actually there or am I literally just sitting here going blah, 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 and nobody's there. Um, I do tend to do that on my own anyway, but that's beside the point. Um, Also, add to the fact that, add that to the feeling that I hate, I hate the sound of my voice and I hate talking about myself. So it's it's difficult to know what to where to start really, but I'm just going to go all in. So here we go. <laughs> As you know, my name is Steffi. Officially, it's Stephanie, but I don't really like being called that because I feel as though I'm being told off. So Steffi, it is. I am 35 years old, nearly 36. Oh, I act about five. Um, I was born in London to an Austrian mother and a very British father. I have two older sisters, both ex-dancers, and one older brother who definitely isn't a dancer, although we did force him to dress up in tutus and play uh, things like Merryweather from Sleeping Beauty and stuff when we were putting on plays for our parents when we were kids, so sorry about that, Ed. My real story, basically when all my issues with self-loathing and self-doubt started, was um, it all really begins at my primary school in London. It was a very snooty school. Um, yeah, I, I was at the beginning. I was really happy. I was the oldest in the year, being a third of September baby, and I did make lots of friends. Uh, not one of them was nasty to me about being slightly chubbier than them or anything. <clears throat> I actually enjoyed school, and funnily enough, I excelled in my lessons. But unfortunately, I apparently excelled a bit too much and got bumped up a year. <laughs> Excuse me, I've had a bit of a cold, so bear with me. Um, In the following years there, after I got bumped up one one year, I only made probably, I'd say, a couple of lovely friends. But other than that, I was absolutely miserable. I was bullied by a lot of the girls for being bigger than them. Um, And when I say bigger than them, I don't mean I was obese, but I was just bigger than they were used to seeing, I suppose. And... I also had a different background. I came from a sort of European family. There was only one other girl, I think, in my class who had a background like that, and we were best friends. And um, because I was younger than them, they really didn't like it. If I was better than them at anything like ballet, I was great. I was great. I don't want to say I was great, but I was probably one of the best at ballet, and I was good at art, and I was good at languages, but they really hated that, and they saw that as a threat for some reason. Um, and we had those old, really old school desks, you know, like the ones with the lid that you flip up and then you close it and then you write on it. And if you're like me, you doodle on the actual desk rather than on your paper, which I shouldn't admit to, but I did do that. Um, anyway, we had those and I'd come in on a morning and I find that my desk had been looted. Things had been nicked, old photos like of my mum when she was a nurse from the seventies. <clears throat> 
and some of my sisters like when they were in the costumes for the ballet and they were on tour like ones that I could not replace in those days were torn up and left in shreds on my books there were horrible notes written on my books it was just it was horrible it was spiteful it was cruel and I wouldn't wish it on anybody least of all a very vulnerable shy eight nine year old (laughs) but needless to say None of this helped my self-esteem, and it also wasn't helped in the slightest when I was bullied by the teachers as well as my classmates. I remember one time we were talking about Christmas. I, I mean, this is like the first year that I got moved up, and uh, we were talking about Christmas and saying how we all celebrated it. And me having an Austrian family, we celebrate it slightly differently. Like we celebrate on Christmas Eve. Um, we would have the Christmas tree. We wouldn't see it till Christmas Eve, and I made the mistake of writing. <clears throat> my dad's name down as Papa because that's what we call him. It's a very Austrian way of calling your dad and that's what we call him. So I read this out in front of the class and the whole class, I will never forget, just burst out laughing. And the teacher did too. She said, you call your father Papa. And um, yeah, not a very nice lady that one. But there was one occasion with another teacher which pretty much I can honestly say started off my disordered eating and body dysmorphia. Uh, It was when we were having lunch in our classroom and my best friend at the time, Mia, had had enough to eat and asked if I wanted the rest of hers. I was hungry and for once I actually liked what we were eating. So, I mean, that was a very rare occurrence. So I I said yes and I took her plate and I was just about to start eating it. And my class teacher, a horrible old toad, um, came up to me and sneering down at me, she said, well, (laughs) you'll never look like your sisters if you carry on eating like that. And uh, yeah, of course, after that, I didn't eat anymore. And I remember, I remember being, boo, stop biting my earphones. Sorry, I've got to get rid of the cat. There we go. (laughs) Sorry about that. Very unprofessional, but I can't help it. Um, Where was I? Yeah. Uh, I was really quiet on the way home and my mum was asking me constantly what was wrong because normally I was a right old chatterbox and some things never change. (laughs) And we were pretty much all the way home when I finally told her what had happened and she was absolutely livid and she said right then and there, right then and there even, that we're going to go back there and we're going to give that stupid bloody woman a piece of my mind. And my mum certainly did. I mean, when she feels that her children are being attacked, she does not hold back. And I still remember them. I I was watching them through the glass door of the classroom and I could see them, like my mum gesticulating wildly and my teacher looking there extremely, standing there looking extremely uh, sheepish. And she actually had the gall to imply that I had misunderstood what she said. And now to this day, firstly, I don't know how she can live with herself for pretending that I mean instead of just owning up to it like a proper adult but anyway to this day I I don't know how she could even think that I could misunderstand what she said but anyway my mum didn't believe her and that's all that really mattered at the time but anyway that was that was the beginning and it all pretty much went downhill from there Uh, I had never liked my figure I had a little bit of a tummy which none of my friends seemed to have and I think that's always been part of my problem is that I've always had a little little bit of a bump, even when I've been at my skinniest, and I just don't know what it is, don't know where it came from, don't know why I have it. And it's always been a bit of a thing of mine that I've I've loathed it, I felt ashamed of it, and as a little girl, I didn't know how to hold your tummy in, and it was always sticking out, and I just, I was... Yeah, I, I was miserable with it. I was I was a little bit chubby, and I was stuck at home with my siblings, either away on tour or at boarding school. 
And I didn't get out as much as I would have liked unless we were in holiday in Austria. And then I would run around the farm like a crazy person. But in London as an eight-year-old, there's very little you can do unless someone takes you to the park. And that's not always possible. And there's only so many times that you can skip and skip rope in your back garden or bounce a wall, bounce a wall, bounce a ball even off the wall without getting bored. So that was pretty much one of the reasons I probably gained weight, but you know, kids are kids and that's how it happened. I mean, things happen. But anyway, at 11, I went to boarding school. I was still a bit chubby. And uh, although I auditioned for a dance course, it was a theatre school, by the way, I was told by the headmistress that they felt I had other talents and should embrace those and go on the theatre arts course instead, where I could potentially hone my singing and acting abilities more diversely. I remember hearing this news whilst my mum and I were on our annual trip to Salzburg at Advent time, and we were having dinner in the hotel, and I just burst into tears because, once again, I just felt that I had failed in living up to my sisters, and I I felt I'd I'd let myself down, and I'd not been good enough to be like them and stuff, and it it took a lot, I remember a lot of reassurance on my mum's part that this was actually a good thing, and that I could excel in my own field now, and although... I I mean, I'd still be dancing, just maybe not as much as I'd hoped. But eventually, I came around to the idea. And shortly after my 11th birthday, I went away to a theatre school in Hertfordshire. Very special place. Um, There were many occasions when at at school when we were made to feel inadequate for not being like the dancers. And by that, I mean skinny. It did get better to a certain extent as we got older, but by then, I think the damage had already been done to a lot of us. In my first year, thanks to a certain teacher telling me that the only reason I didn't get onto the dance course was because I was too fat, I dropped a lot of weight. I starved myself because I didn't know how else to do it. And um, yeah, there were days where I would probably just eat an apple. And if I... If I did eat, like they had those little Jacob's crackers, just two, a packet of two. And I remember there were days where I'd have an apple and the crackers. And I feel so guilty about the crackers. It was, I mean, it's ridiculous. I was so young and I was freaked out because I felt like the only way I could be good at what I wanted to do was to lose weight. Um, In classes, we were called, like all of us in the theatre arts course were constantly called beach whales. We were told we'd never make it in showbiz if we didn't slim down. And these things leave scars. I think it wasn't just me where the scars have never really healed. Um, I was told I was too fat to be a dancer, but then after I did lose a lot of weight in my first year, I was taken to the sanitarium to the nurse. It sounds like I've taken to the loony bin. I was taken, we called it San. Uh, And the nurse told me off for losing the weight. She said that, you know, it's not healthy and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you couldn't bloody win. All I knew was that when I was slimmer, I was praised by certain teachers. And when I gained weight, I was chastised and basically ignored as punishment until I'd lost it again. And then all of a sudden I'd be amazing at what I was doing. And it's, it's so messed up. Um, Until I left boarding school, I was only ever an under eater. I controlled what I ate as much as I could whilst I was there, invariably going home at Exiats in the holidays, all the holidays and overindulging on my mum's (laughs) amazing home cooking. And then I'd feel guilty because my leotard showed my tummy off too much. Or my school skirt was too tight, so I'd have to wear my big baggy jumper over it, no matter what the weather, until I felt slim, slim enough rather, uh, to take it off. And that usually took a few weeks. So it was a, especially in the summer, it was quite a few hot weeks. Um, there was a time when we were all thirteen that, for some reason, God knows why, we 
I think it was someone in a film was bulimic or something. But anyway, we became a bit obsessed with this whole bulimic thing. And a few of us tried making ourselves sick. And we all went into the toilets and tried it. I had always had a bit of a phobia of making myself sick. So I I, I can't remember whether I tried it or if I just sort of went, no, I can't do it. Um, but I do remember one of my one of my friends shouting out of the cubicle that she just threw up a whole chewet, <laughs> which, sorry, I know that's too much information, but it it made me laugh at the time. But now when I look back on it, I think, God, that's it's so sad. I mean, we were so young and all of us were programmed into thinking that we could only be our best selves if we were thin enough and good enough for our teachers to praise us constantly. Which is not, certainly not something I would want for my children. And I think if my mum had known, she probably would have taken me out of there a lot sooner. But it's something something that people with eating disorders, and certainly I know a lot of dancers do, you become very good at hiding things. And my hiding things really came to the fore after I'd left my boarding school in the sixth form and I transferred to a wholly academic college in London again to do my A-levels. And for the first time, pretty much in my life, I was free to eat as I pleased, purely because I could lie to people and pretend I'd eaten. If if I was at home and I wasn't eating, I could say I'd eaten at college. If I was at college, I could pretend that I was eating at home. And I can't quite remember when the bulimia started, but I do know that I was for a few months. I was dating a guy slightly younger than me who was very rich and very obsessed with how girls looked and uh, if they were skinny, then they were considered beautiful. If they weren't, then they were, he would, um, what's the word? Not not chastise them, tease them. He would just bitch about them and say how fat they were. But I'd already got into the habit of not eating all day and then probably only eating some lettuce with a tin of tuna in water for dinner in like day in, day out. And then I'd walk to college for an hour and I walked back and I lost a lot of weight already. But on one occasion, my boyfriend at the time mentioned a good friend of mine whose figure I'd always wanted and he said she's got such chunky legs and it made me feel absolutely horrendous because I've always hated my legs for as long as I can remember I even when they've probably to other people looked absolutely fine all I can see is the faults I hate the way bits of them wobble I hate my knees I hate how I've got such skinny ankles at the end of what I see as chicken drumsticks legs And yeah, I hated them. So for him to say that about a girl whose legs, in my mind, I knew were better than mine really messed me up. And basically, I proceeded proceeded to never eat in front of him, which of course led to him commenting on it. But I just, I lied to him too and pretend that I'd eaten at home or I just wasn't hungry or whatever. When we broke up, I came down with glandular fever shortly after really, really badly. I, I gained some weight because I couldn't exercise for over a month due to being so weak. And on top of that, I became clinically depressed, which is a great combination for an eating disorder. Um, I think that's pretty much when the bulimia started because I started eating and because I'd restricted myself for so long, my body just couldn't cope with now having to cut back. Once I felt well enough again to start doing things, I my mind was still saying, oh, you can still eat so much, but I really wanted to cut back and I couldn't. But it, it was a struggle. And the making myself sick continued until about four months prior to my leaving college. Uh, but this, uh, when I quit making myself sick, I, I gained a lot of weight, uh, purely water weight, I think. I just blew up a bit like, um, you know, the aunt in um, Harry Potter where she, <laughs> where she stops blowing up like a balloon. That's how I felt. I didn't take off or anything, but that's certainly how... I felt and it was it took months for me to deflate and become remotely okay with how I looked 
I did go to see a psychiatrist who dealt directly with eating disorders and I was assigned a dietitian. And at first I remember being really good and I stuck to the plan and I lost weight by eating what she told me. But then I discovered that if I ate less than what she told me, I'd obviously I'd weigh less in my weekly weigh-ins. And of course, that's when I started not eating again, which was a bad idea. When I left home at 18, I moved to Salzburg to train as an opera singer um, and I started to starve myself again because I wanted to be skinny and I didn't want to ruin I didn't want to ruin my voice by going back down the path of bulimia. So this was the only way I felt I could feel in control of anything going on in my life. It was also the time that my parents got divorced. It was horrible. It was an awful time of my life. And added to this, I started an affair with my singing teacher. Um, Please don't judge me. He was 27 years older than me. Long story short, my teacher and I got together. My parents got divorced. I nearly stopped speaking to my mum because of everything she was going through was being put on my shoulders, not her fault at all. But it was a very difficult time because my dad pretty much just ignored me for the following 10 years because he didn't approve of my relationship with my soon-to-be husband or how I generally was as a person. At least that's how he made me feel. Um, All that to one side though, my eating disorder in some ways disappeared, which was great. But I did become addicted to enemas, which I didn't realize was a form of eating disorder control, whatever you call it. But there you go. (laughs) Um, At least I wasn't starving myself and I was sort of eating okay. But one great thing about singing opera is that pretty much you're allowed to be any shape or size, which definitely helped with my being okay with being a bit heavier than I would have liked. I still... I still would judge myself greatly if I gained too much weight and my husband would shout at me and say, do you want to be a fucking model or a dancer or a singer, for God's sake, during my singing singing lessons? And I would cry and it didn't help and he'd get cross and yeah, it it was difficult. But we stayed together and we were married and for 10 years he was in many ways great. But he also was a great (laughs) control over my life and... He did make me happy, but it wasn't until I was out of the marriage that I realized that I'd fallen for a narcissistic manipulator, something which, a theme which I shall go into in more depth in another episode. But anyway, in in 2013, our marriage finally went past the point of no return and I left him for another man, something which I still, um, I have to admit, I'm really not proud of, but these things happen and stupidly... I thought the grass would be greener on the other side, but little did I know what the other side was about to teach me. I basically went from a relatively happy marriage, or at least a a manageable marriage, to a physically and mentally abusive relationship where I lost all, and I mean all, sense of self-worth. I was battered physically and mentally for a year, and by the time I managed to get out of that relationship, I was an absolute wreck. I have my best friend Maria and my brother Ed to thank for saving me there because if they hadn't got me out of there, I honestly doubt I would be here now. Thank you guys. I love you. <laughs> um, where was I? Between 2014 and 2017, a lot happened. I went to Bali to find myself. No, I went to Bali to teach children and kind of to find myself, I guess and made some of the most incredible friends and I learned the healing powers of yoga and I I know that sounds really stupid but I really mean it it helps it has helped me mentally so much I cannot recommend it enough and in 2014 December or so I moved back to Salzburg basically I was trying to take a second run at having a new start on my own which I'd failed so abysmally when I was 18 (laughs) I did start singing again which was wonderful felt great 
But this time I was singing what I wanted to sing because although I'd done opera for so long, I'd never really felt at home in it. It felt I was good at it, but my heart wasn't in it. So I went back to singing jazz and musicals. I got into a big band and made some wonderful friends. But sadly, my eating disorder went absolutely haywire because being back on the stage in that kind of situation, for some reason, my mind said, you have to be skinny because otherwise you're not going to be good at it. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, all the demons I'd had back at school came back to haunt me like tenfold. I started smoking again because I didn't have my husband there to tell me I couldn't. I stayed out late. I exhausted myself. I'd work long hours at the shop only to go out and sing and party the nights away until the early hours. And then I'd get up the next day and do it all over again. And by the end of my time there, I was extremely underweight for me, but I felt great because I fitted into everything. Um, What didn't feel so great was that because I'd been starving myself for so long, I I was living off two smoothies a day and that was it and then I'd live off whiskey and cigarettes in the night not great (laughs) my bulimia had resurfaced so by this time with the starving myself uh I'd started burging binging and purging usually on days when I knew I had the next day off I was drinking far too much on these nights to sort of numb my shame at my allowing my eating disorder to win again but luckily I had friends whom I could trust and who I could talk about it with and they really helped me through it but I fell into a depression again early in 2017 and it was worse than when I had had it back with glandular fever. It was, it was, I, I don't know what happened, but I just, I started having suicidal thoughts. I'd had them in the past, especially during my relationship um, after my husband, but nothing ever like this. I was doing yoga one morning and I just collapsed and howled and howled and howled and I curled up into a ball and I sobbed for about an hour before my mum called to check on me. Um, I don't know how she does it. She just sometimes, somehow always knows when something's up. But anyway, she she called me and I had to admit defeat and tell her what was going, going through my bashed up head. <laughs> anyway, the upshot of all of this was that in July 2017, I left Austria. My depression had dissipated a bit due to my having been able, very, very fortunately, to take time off work and to solely focus on myself and on my singing. And I thought that the depression had gone forever, which felt great. But I also believed myself to be in a better headspace than I apparently really was. And um, unfortunately, when I moved to Bristol and was introduced to someone who I would end up in a relationship with, I was in a I was in a place where once again I'd fallen head over heels in in love with a narcissistic manipulative bastard um now up until I'd met him I had been in relationships which mentally and physically were abusive but none of the things I went through came even close to the poison that this one fed into my brain I honestly don't know if I will ever be rid of the scars that he's left in his wake, but I am doing my damnedest to win this fight because in the end, when I finally broke free of him after two years of him keeping me on a leash and putting me down in every way you could possibly imagine, I felt absolutely broken. I had no self-esteem anymore whatsoever. And no joke, I had to literally pick myself up off the kitchen floor in his flat our flat at the time, dust myself down and say, that's it. I've had enough. I deserve more than this. And it's only thanks to the friends I've made since then that I've managed to do that, uh, like move on and feel even remotely like I have some self-worth because he just destroyed everything. 
and I've I've never felt even after my relationship um in 2014 I'd never felt so destroyed <laughs> which yeah I, I'm not proud of but in all honesty it's, it's probably 2020 has quite possibly been one of my darkest years ever <laughs> which is saying something <laughs> but it has helped me to realize that I'm not alone in this struggle and we are all fighting our own battles in our own way and we all have a story to tell and that my dear listeners is why I wanted to take the plunge and start this podcast because I really hope that in some way through my telling you stories through my friends family whoever telling about their struggles I really hope that I can help some of you who are fighting to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel to see well, to see it, and also just to make you laugh, because after all, laughter is the best medicine. And as you'll probably hear if one of my friends sets me off, I have the most ridiculous laugh. So hopefully, if nothing else, that will cheer you up. (laughs) And I hate this part, but it's got to be done. If you guys do like what you've heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe, share with your friends, your family, whoever. And Yeah, have a lovely day, everyone. And just remember, you are all so worthy of being loved. But above all, to love oneself is the beginning of a lifelong romance. And that romance is what I am here and my friends and family and all of the people I will be speaking to on here are here to help you all do. Till next time, everybody. Bye.